That's one of our goals in life is like zombie apocalypse hits or something crazy. We want to be harder to kill. As you've gotten older, have you felt your body getting tighter? Have you lost some of that athleticism you had in your youth? Or do you just want to get back into moving and feeling great again? If so, you're going to love today's episode with Neil Valera and Dennis Dunphy. Neil is a former collegiate golfer, avid rock climber, and strength coach. Dennis is a hockey and sports nut, culinary enthusiast, and shares my love and affection for everything Marvel. And together, they created Stick Mobility to help people just like us recapture their mobility, athleticism, and performance. Now, if you're a regular to the show, welcome back. As always, love and appreciate you. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm Mike Robertson, and this is the Physical Preparation Podcast. In this show, we take deep dives into the art and science of coaching, cueing, program design, business, and personal development. Basically, anything to help you become a better trainer, coach, or rehab professional. Now, you may not know this, but way back in my early days at T-Nation, lots of people referred to me as the mobility guy because I recognized how important mobility is in moving and feeling your best. And today, we're going to dive in with Neil and Dennis to discuss why they created their training sticks, as well as why it's so important to look at their training system as a whole. While a lot of people might get caught up in the product itself, when you're looking at training principles like irradiation, accentuating the eccentric or isometric portion of an exercise, or manipulating leverages to intensify training, you'll see there's a lot of cool elements in their system that you can add to your training today. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll jump into this awesome new episode with Dennis and Neil. Did you know that in any given year, 40% of the trainers and coaches in our industry will leave our industry? Maybe that's why it seems like almost every day I talk to trainers and coaches who are frustrated. Maybe they're frustrated with the results they're getting. Maybe they're frustrated because they don't have trusted resources to learn from. And maybe they're frustrated because they simply don't have enough clients and wonder how long they'll be able to stay in the industry. So if this sounds anything like you, let me tell you how I can help. My Complete Coach Certification was created for trainers and coaches just like you. People who are serious about the results they get and know that becoming a better coach can directly translate to a bigger bottom line. This certification is going to take the last 20 plus years of my life's work and put it all into one massive course. In the cert, you'll learn how to use my R7 system to create seamless, integrated, and efficient programs for clients and athletes of all shapes and sizes. You'll learn the exact progressions, regressions, and coaching cues I use in the gym to help your clients squat, hinge, press, and pull with awesome technique. You'll learn my streamlined assessment process that will help you determine the exact movements your clients should be performing when they come in the gym. And last but not least, you'll learn how to create relationships and build rapport with virtually everyone you train so you can get the best possible results. Of course, there's a lot more that I cover, but that should give you a pretty good idea of what the CERT is all about. Now here's the thing, spots for the CERT only open twice per year for a limited time. But if you join my free insiders list now, you'll be able to save $200 when my next group opens. To get on the insiders list, just head over to completecoachcertification.com. 
Again, that's completecoachcertification.com and then stay tuned for our launch emails very soon. Thank you so much for your support and I hope you'll join us when the next Complete Coach Certification launches. Neil, Dennis, thank you guys so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to have you both on. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I've been a, well, first of all, I'm Neil Valera, and I've been a personal trainer since 2007. Just always been passionate about movement, sports, since I was a little kid. So I've done about everything, and then ended up playing golf in college. And then after that, didn't make it as a pro, so... I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my passion for athletics and movement and get into personal training. I love it. I love it. What about you, Dennis? Yeah, I'm Dennis Dunphy. I got into training back in 1999. So grew up playing sports my whole life. Pretty much you name it. If it's a sport, I probably participated (laughs) at some level in it. My dad was just a sports junkie. So anything that was competitive, I was into. Focus mainly on traditional training methods as far as when I first got started, weight loss, aesthetics. Would would have liked to have been a bodybuilder at one point, but then just realized yeah. I just, genetically just am not cut out <laughs> for it. I really wasn't willing right. to do the stuff that you have to do to reach a certain <laughs> level. And we all know yeah. that. Um, so I just wasn't, I wasn't ready to do that, wasn't willing to do that. And then uh, as I got older, I just realized there, the traditional methods of training may not be everything that we need so yep. just started exploring and delving out from there and now i'm at the point that i'm at and so it's a good spot i love it i love it well i'd also like to get both of your backgrounds or your origin stories a little bit i got a little bit from you there dennis but like what got you guys into physical preparation in the first place like what really got you excited about training working out and then led you to make this into a career oh so like i said growing up did everything, played all the sports. And I started, I was a big fan of Bruce Lee. And I read, he has this book, it's called, well, he didn't write it, but I think John Little wrote it. And it was The Art of Expressing the Human Body. And I, okay. used, I, I read that and was like, you know what? I want to use this for golf. So I started implementing just some of that stuff there. Along with, of course, looking at all the bodybuilding magazines as a teenager and just following that. Mm-hmm. Just from basic bodybuilding training and being very inexperienced with training in general they get huge benefits and it carried over to whatever i did so then naturally after after i finished my golf career i just wanted to dive deeper and got certified in personal training in 2007 and just kind of took off from there i love it i love it dennis what about you man yeah for me it was i really never envisioned myself doing this a friend of mine like I was a fitness manager at a box gym. That's 24-hour fitness. So he was. we were just hanging out the one night, and he said, hey, you should come work as a trainer for me. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, because he would need up some trainers. He goes, you work out all the time anyways. He's like, why don't you give it a shot as far as making it kind of a job? And I was like, yeah, sure thing. So I kind of dipped my toe in the pool, so to speak. I think for most of our industry i think a lot of trainers it's just more of a part-time kind of a hobby thing so i think we kind of know that there's just a very small percentage of us that where it's an actual career and this is our life and our passion so yeah even when i started getting into it 
I didn't really, I would have never seen myself 25 years later or 24 years later. Just like, this is what I do. This is my life. This is everything. So, but it's been a great journey. It's been a great experience for me. It's just the ability to help people improve their quality of life is awesome. So when you get yep. clients to say, Hey man, I, I'm able to do this now. I can do this. And those are the things that really keep me juiced as far as continuing to want to do what I do. Yeah. It's just funny. Both of you guys kind of mentioned like the bodybuilding magazines. And I always think back, like that's what I grew up on too, right? In the mid to late nineties, it was muscle and fitness, Ironman, flex. And so that's kind of what you look at, right? Like, okay, this is how you're supposed to train. And it's been interesting how much we've evolved in the last 25, 30 years when you think about it and how much more holistic training is now. It's not just bodybuilding splits and drop sets and tri-sets and everything to torch our biceps. It's become a lot more holistic in nature, for sure. It's kind of funny talking about the magazines. It was, you look at their programs, right, of these bodybuilders, and so you you mimic (laughs) them, right, to a certain extent. Oh, yeah. I had the privilege of working with Scotty Wilson, who's an OG bodybuilder back in the Arnold and Franco days, and just getting... Being able to work with him and getting a really in-depth understanding of what be what bodybuilding really is behind the scenes, and you know, photo shoot mm-hmm. magazines, and he's all like, "Yeah, those aren't routines." He goes, "None of us do that shit." He's like, "You <laughs> open up the magazine, it would say this is Scotty Wilson's workout routine." He's all like, "I don't even come close to that." So, literally, the author That's of the funny. magazine would literally create a program and just throw it in there. I was like, oh, interesting. Wow. And we'd all follow it. And we'd all follow it. (laughs) Yeah. But he's all like, yeah, that's not my program because none of that's my program. Oh, my gosh. I just remember how scarred I was when somebody finally broke it to me that, like, the pictures that you would see in those magazines, a lot of times it was, like, hollowed out plates. Yes. So it looks like it's, like, 45s or 100-pound plates. And it's not. And I was just crushed. I was like, you mean that guy's not really squatting, like, (laughs) 700 for reps? Yeah, oh the, my gosh, uh, I was crushed. The hollowed out weights and styrofoam. This guy said they yeah. styrofoam yeah. plates. They, and I'm like, really? I said the same thing. I'm like, really? Yeah. Well, yeah, we were just told to we'd pump up. And then we were just told to really uh, make it look like we were just <laughs> holding our breath. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is. It's kind of shattering when you find that out. You're like, oh. oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I just remember looking at those guys when I was younger and I was like, oh, dang, I was just crushed. <laughs> but one thing I would love to hear from you guys, because I love like origin stories. I'm into superheroes. I'm kind of a nerd like that. Comic books. What led you guys to creating stick mobility? What is the origin story there? Well, we used to do stick stretching with a gentleman, a doctor, a chiropractor over in Santa Cruz, California, Dr. Arthur Fagenholtz. So he was using rattan sticks to do stretching for his patients. So Neil and I, we took a course with him, and we were like, oh, this is, wow, this is mind-blowing stuff, just the way he was applying (laughs) the stick. And he was doing stretches, but we were like, well, there's a lot more to this than just these stretches that he was doing. Uh, For us, mobility is strength, and strength is mobility. They're not exclusive of each other. They have to be together. So we were like, oh, well, using isometrics and using irradiation and all these principles that we use, it was, well, 
mobility needs more strength training than it does quote unquote stretching. So yeah. that's what we yeah. were like, okay, well, we need to develop something new, something that's not traditional or not being used by most in the fitness industry. So yep. then and we told Dr. Arthur, hey, this is our concept. This is our ideas. And he was all like, great. He's like, yeah, awesome, fantastic. Go for it. And so Neil's the one that came up with the stick mobility. So we, he popped the name out and then we just jumped on the I jumped on the trademarks and all the other stuff that we had to do. And so that's where we started. And I know we started with rattan sticks. And then we graduated yeah. to PVC. And big now, fan of PVC over here. Yeah, and, and then we got. <laughs> that's the how I started too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So and then we evolved to the finished product. Well, and then originally, I mean, we had no intention of turning this into a product. This was more of like, hey, let's create a program that we could give to our clients and create bigger classes, make some more income, right? Right. And then we started posting stuff on social media, and people started to to like it and followers grew and then coach chip Warren, former head strength coach of the Bengals, reached out to us one day and was like hey we're gonna come in your we're in the bay area he's like we're gonna play the 49ers how close are you guys to us or to the stadium we're like oh we're like 15 minutes away it's like oh, i'd love to yeah. see what you guys are doing so we met up with them for a few hours he's like i love it you guys have a course where you can take teach my coaches and like nope <laughs> like well if yeah. you create one and you can get it accredited then i'll bring you guys out and we'll do it and so that happened it took us a few months to put everything together and then we went out and trained their staff that's awesome and it's just funny like how some of those things come about he has an idea you haven't maybe thought of that up to that point or maybe you have you just haven't had the impetus to get it done and then you're like oh chip morton from the Bengals. yeah no we can do this we'll get this course done <laughs> Yeah, because neither of us had any experience systemizing anything, right? As far as sure. you know, what we were doing, so that's where we're okay. We gotta we gotta figure this out. Like, okay, how do we yeah how do we create a system around this? And for I think one of the things that people get most distracted by is it, they're more interested in the stick than it is what we do with it. Because we get all the time right. where people are like oh, I've used PVC for years. We're like yeah okay well <laughs> this is how we use a stick and so right um, and we get comments all the time and so we're like no well you the message is how we use it it's a product but we're a movement company yes. that uses this specific product in the same way that rock tape is a movement company that uses tape it's just yeah, our tool i like that at the heart of it we're about movement so we get people all the time they're like well what if i had my own stuff Use what you have available. We don't care. We're just trying to teach you how to move better and feel better. I love that. That's awesome. Okay, so one other question, because I'm always fascinated by this was probably like 15 years ago. I had this idea of like a product I wanted to create, and I took it to Chris Poyer from Perform Better. And he's like, here's the thing, right? Like, this is always a way longer process and way more involved than you can ever imagine. So unless you're like hell bent on doing this, I'd say don't do it. And I was like, okay. So he talked me out of it. But you guys went through this process, right? Like you took the time to create a product and not just create it, but then bring it out to market in an incredibly competitive fitness market. So what was that process like for you guys? We were really lucky. Yeah. So like, like Dennis said, we started with the rattan sticks, went to PVC, and then we ended up partnering with one of my clients and he's in the aerospace engineering field and 
He's like, you know what? I'll go, okay, I'll go find go. some stuff to use. And we literally did it in one shot as far as the materials for the stick. Our first prototype, we used tennis grips, right? And mm-hmm. Which, those things, they erode really fast. Tape comes off. So we had to keep manually wrapping these things. It's like, all right, this isn't going to work. Right. So then now, I'm like with my golf background, I'm like, why don't we use something that just slides on like a golf grip? And that kind of became the final product. But as far as the time it took to get the first stick out i mean it's just a few months yeah right? i mean i think because it's such a simple tool the, the simplicity yeah. is really what is i think for some people more frustrating because they're like why didn't i think of this earlier uh, sure but it's just it, it, and when we look at it we say the same thing why did we think of this earlier right it's been eight years since we launched i mean in reality shit we should have launched a decade ago 15 <laughs> years ago right right but the process of creating a product can be long and arduous for sure because you got the patenting process, which in and of itself is very expensive. Uh, just yeah. to find out that it's already been theorized. And so then you got to make adjustments to that. And then you got to play the game with the PTO office as far as, and then you got to pay your attorneys and all this stuff. So. You got to keep going back to the table to figure out, okay, what adjustments have to be made. But yeah, it, Chris is right. It can be quite the endeavor. But if you feel that it's going to be something, that this is going to be a game changer, I tell people, I go, hey, man, it's worth taking the risk because you'd rather take the risk and fail than not yeah. take the risk and watch somebody else succeed with yep. it. So yep. for people out there, for people that are, prospective entrepreneurs or are kind of sitting on the fence with that. It's easy to say, and by all means, I understand the trepidation and the fear of diving into the pool, but you got to jump. Yeah, I love it, man. Okay, so I want to talk one more question about the stick itself, and then I want to talk training because I know you guys love to talk training. So I do not have sticks in my facility yet. I've dabbled with them some in other people's. And I know a lot of people that are listening to this probably have not heard of you guys and, and or haven't heard of stick mobility. So talk to us all like we're total newbies here. Where does stick training or stick mobility fit into an already jam-packed training program? Well, I mean, we look at it as it can be its own system, but at the same time, yep. it, can, it, it, it can just be complimentary. Right. Yeah. So maybe we're using the sticks for added stability. So maybe just getting someone, hey, you know what, it's, they have a really hard time. This client has a hard time getting into a lunge position. Can we use the sticks, create some leverage, create some stability so that now they understand the positioning of where their torso needs to be, their hips need to be. And then we can slowly take that away and go, okay, you look good. Let's load this. As far as your warm-up, because we are doing everything so active, so maybe we're trying to create some active range of motion, you're pushing and pulling into this stick, you could essentially take some of your same movements that you're doing, throw the sticks in your hands, and whether you're pushing them into the ground, pulling apart, pushing, squeezing it together with your arms, it just amplifies what you're doing already. I think one of the things that we see a lot of, especially with the privilege of having to work, been able to work with pro teams, is we see how what their warm-up protocols are. And yep. to be honest with you, the players are kind of half-assing it. They're just yeah. not, they're not that yeah. engagement, right? So for yeah. us, you put a stick in some in a player's hands and you tell them to push and pull on the stick because they're going through the same exact warm-up patterns and dynamic movement 
all of a sudden it becomes a totally different feel. Now you've got an athlete that's engaged in the process versus kind of just going through the motions, which we see a lot of. And yeah. on the other yeah. side, as far as recovery, people are always talking about, oh, I stretch a lot. But you're like, okay, well, there's a vast difference between passive stretching and active isometric stretching. Those are yeah. two vastly different things. And for us, the stick adds energy to that kinetic chain, and it allows you to add strength to that end range position. So that way we start to own those ranges of motion instead of just kind of just being just laying on the floor quote-unquote stretching like we see most people doing yeah no it's just interesting like you do this long enough and i've worked with a lot of pros in my career i've been lucky to be in that environment but one of the downsides to working with pros is i mean they have to train a lot right They've been exposed to a lot and training can be monotonous because, you know, what we do isn't their primary thing, right? Yep. A basketball player wants to be on the court. A soccer yep. player wants to be on the pitch. So I do think there's something to be said. It's not just novel novelty for novelty's sake, but sometimes you when you can do some things different, it just switches them on and you get a little bit better training effect. So agree with that. The other thing, because I'm always thinking about, oh, man. If I see a new tool or a new device, like how would I use that? What would I do that for? And, and again, we'll talk more about training in a minute. But one of the first things I thought about is I'm always trying to push recovery and I'm always trying to push restoring range, right? Because a lot of what we do in a weight room inherently takes range away. And Dennis, I know you talked about this, but like strength is mobility strength. Well, you can't demonstrate true strength unless you have the mobility to support it. So I'm, I was just constantly thinking about, oh, I like it. For, I think I'd use it for this and this. So I love what you guys are doing. But let's talk training, right? Because I know you guys are passionate about this. And like you said, you've got a tool, but you've got an entire movement system that supports the tool as well. So I'd love to hear, Dennis, let's start with you this time. What are some of the big rocks that you guys base your training around? What are some of your key principles for training? Well, the first one is really leverage and stability. It's what the tool gives you, right? It's the mechanical advantage. And for us, I think that's one of the big things that a lot of people, when it comes to movement, especially loaded movements, physics just isn't in their mindset, right? So if right. the general population, it's teaching people, yeah, we are a slave to gravity. And you got to understand that when you're moving loads. And you got to understand that when you're moving your own body. Like what is taking place in your relationship to gravity and why are certain positions more difficult than others? So for us, the you being able to apply the tool to teach people what leverage, what stability is one of the very first key things that we like to introduce to people because that for most people is really a mind-blowing experience for them because it's just not something they've been taught. I mean, in high school, when it comes to physics class, most of us are kind of sleeping through the course and really <laughs> thinking about it because we're like how am i ever going to need this but you're like no you need it pretty much every day of your life right so yeah uh, those one of, the, one of the things and to really get people to understand isometrically what the benefits are when we use isometrics and really intrinsically strengthen ourselves for me personally yep. i think those are the two principles that we utilize that i love the most to teach to people because when people use isometrics, I tell people, I'm like, look, they're not sexy. They're just effective. No. Right? Yeah. You can't market isometrics. Like no one's going to get captivated <laughs> by that. But right. when you have someone utilize isometrics, 
you see their face light up and you're like, ah, but you feel it. You feel the difference. You feel the results. And that's yep. what captivates your client. And they go, okay, I get it. Or this is yep. something I've been missing because moving those external lows, they just don't have an ability to connect this to other things throughout their body. So be able to isometrically lock it in and introduce them to new pathways and new connections is like, whoa, this is fantastic. Yeah, it's funny. It's definitely not Instagram highlight reel worthy, right? You know, <laughs> but you do high quality isometrics. And like you said, intrinsically, you're like, oh, no, this is different. Like, I feel this in this targeted area or I feel muscles. Tur- I kind of some of that terminology, but like you feel muscles turning on that don't normally fire, don't normally turn on. So, no, that's great stuff, man. That's great. One of the things. Sorry, Neil, did you have something you wanted to no, add? No, I'm good. Yeah, I, think, I think he covered okay. it all right. I love it. I love it. Well, one of the things that you mentioned, Dennis, is this idea of leverages. And like you said, most people, unless you took like high level physics or you have a biomechanics background, they're not thinking about levers, right? But one of the areas where I find people recognize and respect levers very quickly is in core training, right? So if you're doing something like a dead bug and you're just like tapping your heel to the ground, it's not very hard. But when you extend your arm and your leg, all of a sudden that core is feeling that full length of that lever and they're like, oh, wow, that's different. Okay. So how are you guys manipulating levers and leverage to get a better training effect? So basically with the stick there, whether we're trying to see how I can explain this without you seeing the stick there. Well, we think about (laughs) the length of the stick, right? Let's just say we're holding it right in the middle. Yep. So someone's holding the middle. Yep. Doesn't feel very heavy. Now, if they just lengthen the stick to one side, all of a sudden, it's this offset load, which is essentially what we deal with in everyday life. Yes. Right? So everything sure. we do, except for most of the lifts we do in the gym, are offset. So just from that yep. little example, they can go, oh, okay, my body feels I have to basically counter-rotate to stay still yes. or counter-rotate to react to this load. Now, from there, as a coach, we can use the flex of the stick. So let's just say someone's standing in a lunge position, holding the stick out in front, we can flex the stick in a certain direction just gently and they can start to yeah. feel, oh, okay, so if the load comes at me this way, this is what I need to do to counterbalance that. And we can do any vector, yep. any plane we want just by flexing the stick in a different direction. Yeah. No, that's cool. And I'm just thinking about some of the athletes that I work with. We're talking very long limbs, mm-hmm. right? Especially in basketball. You think about yep. how long the arms and legs are. Stability and control is the name of the game. So if you can teach them to stabilize in some of those deep squat, deep lunge type positions and really own that, that's incredibly valuable for them. Because that's protective as well, right? It's not just performance enhancing, it's protective as well. Yeah, and the stick is great because it allows you to really give them, if you want to train them more through the eccentric phase of a movement, okay, you can allow the stick and give them that added stability to allow them to work through that eccentric motion a little bit longer, which we know they're not going to like to do because they want to just go fast through all the movements. And then when we slow those same movements down, we see a vastly different response and feedback system. So that's one of the things that we really enjoy with the stick is just introducing people to, okay, now we can hold this posture. We can hold this position longer. Now we can produce more. We can express strength in this position And now we can elicit those changes a little bit quicker than we would otherwise be able to achieve because we may be missing some gaps. 
Yeah. Well, the other thing that you mentioned too was this use of isometrics, right? I love using all the different phases, right? Eccentric, isometric. We all love concentric, but I think the eccentrics and the isometrics get lost in the wind sometimes. And especially if I'm doing, say, return to play, isometrics can be huge because maybe that person can't move in and out of a range pain-free, but they can do isometrics. Also, like you kind of alluded to, when we're thinking about our some of our older, like senior clients, right? They want that external stability and control, especially when they're getting started. So I'm just thinking about all the different uses for this and where I could like plug it into my programs because I love the idea of using eccentrics and isometrics with some of those different populations. Yeah, I think our friend, Dr. Emily Splickle, founder of Nabosa Technology, she always uses the phrase foot-to-core integration. And we know that even everywhere mm. from general population, even to high-level athletes, a lot of times they're missing that ability to understand how to integrate the foot to the core. And so for us, it's the using the sticks is a great way to intro- get them to understand that concept, right? Yeah. So single leg stability training and getting rotate, adding rotation in and out of that single leg stability training. Without the stick, they may have a really hard time holding position. So they end up basically looking like a dashboard hula girl where <laughs> if you use the stick, now we can – add that extra point of contact. Now we can get you in and out of the position with more control. Yep. And then the brain and the body get tuned in together and then all of a sudden progressing down the road, we take the sticks away. Now that movement looks fantastic without the sticks. Yeah. No, I really like that. I'm just thinking about too, like when you think about, say, let's take like a split squat or a lunge type position or a single leg RDL. You see a lot of people and maybe part of it looks good, but maybe from the foot up, right? They're really on like the outside of their foot. They're losing yeah. some of those foot contacts. Right. Like you kind of mentioned foot to quarter foot, being able to integrate those two. Now you can really cinch and lock those positions in, kind of rewire things. So like you said, when you take that stick away, now they're better able to control and really own those movements in those positions. That's awesome. Okay. Another thing, sorry, that was super awkward <laughs> transition. <laughs> I'll have Paul edit that out. My bad. So, all good. Yeah. Okay. So, it's been like two decades now, but you guys talked about irradiation. And irradiation is something that I originally heard about from Pavel Satsuli. This is like 20 years ago now, right? I, it was either in like a T Nation article or a USA Powerlifting article. And man, it made a huge difference. For me, is like a very novice power lifter. Hey, man, turn everything on. If you grip this hard, you get that kind of surge of energy and connection of energy throughout the entire body. So for those who are unfamiliar, could you give like a very basic breakdown of what irradiation is and how you guys are using it in your training programs? Yeah, I mean, I actually learned irradiation from Pavel, too. Took a bunch of his courses Yeah, from 2007. He's awesome. And I guess if we were to explain it, it's like when you squeeze something really hard, it just drives more energy in your system. So we're able to recruit more from the nerve system, from the muscles. So if like if someone was just to squeeze their fist, not holding anything, but you feel it in the forearm or you squeeze your other, maybe it gets into the bicep, into the shoulder. But now if we grab a tool and let's just say, let's just say it's a ball, right? Squeeze the ball. You have something to, you're doing basically an overcoming isometric. It gives you more energy. 
So with the mm-hmm. stick, let's just say we squeeze the stick, but now we're driving it into the ground at, let's just say at 90% effort. So now we're creating this connection from the hand to the shoulder. Now we're integrating the lat, we're integrating the core. So now they're really yep. feeling all these different things. And if you think about driving two sticks into the ground, it's similar to what you would do when you're pulling a bar against your shins, deadlifting. So you're creating that connection with the grip, the lat, and just becoming, you're, I guess a good word would be linking everything together better. Yeah, yeah. I, I know one of the things that we do that, like Neil just talked about, pushing the six down in the ground in the front. And we think about, okay, what tissue lines are we connecting or strengthening, right? So if we push down, yeah. then we have the anterior tissue line, right? But then we can take the stick and we can push up. And then we get that full recruitment of the posterior line, right? We can push at an angle. Now you start to get your posterior and anterior slings fired up. So for clients, the terminology is foreign to them. We want them to understand what it feels like, right? So it's really easy to get somebody to take a stick and then push at different vectors, push and pull, and then go and then say, okay, when you're doing this, do you feel this sling? And they go, oh, I feel what you're talking about. Nice. Yes. Now kinesthetically they get it, and then it makes your job easier as a coach because now every session after that when you say, hey, we're going to go get that anterior oblique sling from left to right that we did last, last session. They're like, okay, I get exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what I should feel and how to initiate it. Yeah. So for us, it makes training a little bit easier. Well, I think you guys know as well as I do, like any teaching tool you can add to the arsenal is generally helpful, right? A lot of the people that we work with, not so much auditory, but visual and a lot of kinesthetic learners, if they don't feel it, it's going to be really hard, right? So if you have another tool that you can add to your toolbox, that's going to allow somebody to feel what you need them to feel. And then now, hey, now we're going to take this into, once you've got it with the stick, you're locked in. Now we're going to take this to a chop pattern or a lift pattern, a lunge, some sort of dynamic throw. Like once you've kind of got that locked in, now it just really sets the stage for the learning of those bigger, broader, more dynamic activities. Exactly. That's cool. That's cool. Okay. Ultimately, I think everyone that's listening to this would like to help their clients and athletes move better feel better, create more body awareness. What are some of your guys' key to su- keys to success in that regard? You know, well, for me, as far as getting clients to understand, for number one, one of my big things is increasing their body awareness. So that's one of my first objectives is to get people to understand what their body's doing or what it's experiencing or what it's not experiencing in many cases, right? Yeah. So we talk about, okay, you have the ability to do this, but you don't have the ability to do something else. So let's work on that deficiency, right? That's one of my first number one goals because most likely that inability to do something is what's creating the issue. So let's focus on figuring out what it is, what you're missing, and get somebody to understand better about themselves because I'm not always going to be around, right? Yeah. So for me, like I want a client who ultimately after they're done training with me is generally much more knowledgeable and smarter than most of the trainers are going to come across. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's really one of my goals is because 
But yeah. when they go on vacation or when I'm out traveling, teaching or whatever, I need my clients to be able to put a workout together on their own and then they can go, okay, these are my chronic issues or these are issues that I am deficient in. So this is the stuff I'm going to work on because Dennis showed me this is the stuff that I need to work on. And now after that, yeah. I'm going to follow up with some stuff that I really enjoy, I really like, I'm good at, right? So that way when clients have that confidence to step into a weight room or a gym and go, I know exactly what I know I should be doing. Yeah. I love that. Neil, anything you want to add there? Yeah, I think just kind of building on that confidence piece. I mean, I think that's literally the biggest thing we can give to our clients is give them as much confidence in their body, how they can control their body in space. So that body awareness, whether using the stick or not, can we expose them to different ranges of motion that they may not get in their daily life that maybe they had when they were as a kid? Can we slowly build and expand that? And then with the range of motions that they do have, do they control it well? Is it quality movement? And just make them more physically capable that way. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we're trying you know, to create a more resilient human being. Or as resilient as they need to yes. be, I should say. Not everybody yeah. has to have the same skill set or the same level of resiliency, but you know, a seventy year old grandmother versus a twenty year old collegiate athlete, vastly different things, right? Resiliency and skill levels yeah. are two vastly different things, but uh, we want to give, be able to endow each person the level that they need. Yeah. Do you guys know Luca Hasavar? Yeah, yeah. I've, well, I don't know him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Luca and I always talk about being harder to kill. Like that's one of our goals in life is like zombie apocalypse hits or something crazy. We want to be harder to kill. But in all seriousness, like two things that you guys mentioned there. One, I love the idea. I always think about attacking my rate limiters with myself, with my athletes, exactly what you guys described, right? What are your deficiencies? What are your rate limiters? Things that are holding you back. And then I love this idea and I preach this to all of my athletes, all of the clients I've ever trained. Ideally, they get to a point where, sure, they want me to be around, right? They want me to help coach them. Maybe they need me for some accountability. But ultimately, I, if I train somebody long enough, they get to a point where they're fixing themselves over the course of the session, right? I'm coaching and cueing less because they know how it's supposed to look and feel. And they know if it's not looking and feeling the way it's supposed to, and they adjust it on their own. So I love that idea of creating like more self-sufficient clients and athletes through our movement training. I think that's a brilliant way to put that. Yeah, because I mean, ultimately, client retention is great for business, right? We all know that. But at some point, you got to cut ties or you should be able or you should have the ability to cut ties. Yes. So that way, way you know what? I've loved working with you for X amount of years, but you know, I think I'm good to go on my own and fantastic. And if you ever need me, you know how to get a hold of me, right? Right. But yeah, don't, I shouldn't have to expect you to be dependent on me all the time to be able to do everything. And I think for us as coaches, that shows our ability to be able to take somebody to that level where they're confident enough to go, you know what? I think I'm good. I think I can handle this on my own. Great. Fantastic. I love it. Okay, guys. Big question time. If you could alter the space-time continuum, start from scratch with stick mobility, what would you change? That's a good question. (laughs) That's why it's the big question, man. (laughs) What would I change? Well, besides starting it sooner, 
gosh, that's a new change, man. I think maybe getting the like marketing the strength aspect out there sooner. Yes. More because I think yes. early on with some of the stuff we posted, it just looked like oh, this, these guys are just doing yoga flows and this stuff, and right. Oh, that's all. That's fine and everything. But I think a missing piece was that no, we're, we are actually teaching you how to get stronger too. Yeah. No, I like that, and that's. I'm always thinking about as a small business owner, small gym owner, I can't buy every gadget toy that I want. So one of the like the filter I put everything through is okay. If I'm going to invest in this, how many things can I do with it? Right. It's the reason you buy a squat rack versus a leg press at least initially yeah. because mm-hmm. you can do a ton of stuff in a squat rack yeah you can do one or two things in a leg press and yeah. so i think that was one of the things that i was really impressed as i you know, obviously do research before i do these shows and i kind of deep dive on you guys it was really cool to see that again there is an implement that you use but we're talking about an entire movement system and so yeah there might be one thing that draws you into it initially right like oh yeah i need this i want to improve my mobility or I want to do this to improve my stability and get better isometric control. But then beyond that, there's so many other tools and ways that you can use the product. I think that's what the allure is. And I think you guys have done a really good job of showing that. Because like you said, it's very easy to just, oh, stick mobility. Okay, you're just going to you're gonna be a yogi and stretch. And that's all you're going to get out of the tool. You guys have a lot more to offer than that. So, I mean, it's one of the things that I talk to Neil about all the time is our biggest market is actually in Southeast Asia where they love movement. They have a different, generally is a society, they view fitness a little bit different. They, of course, aesthetics is still a big thing, but here in sure. the Western, in the West, aesthetics is pretty much everything when we train. And for me, it's, it's great. It's fantastic. Everybody should be, that's a great goal to have, but longevity should be something that more people are thinking about right what i do at 30 yes. i want to sh- i can i do it at 60 right and so for me it's like yeah at 51 i still have the ability to go play ice hockey two three times a week right and so i want to be able to awesome. still do that when i'm 71 and so my focus yeah. on training is aimed at being able to continue to do that and i think that's one of the it's hard to tell a 20 year older that the quality of movement is really <laughs> yeah. important to you, right? I mean, I know myself at 20, yep. if somebody would have told me that, I would have been like, whatever, dude. I mean, it's just, it is who it, it is. <laughs> what it is. So it's in a great, in a perfect world, I would love that to be the mindset in pretty much everybody, but that's just not the world we live in. But we're trying to convert people just one person at a time to understand that. Yeah, yeah. The, your longevity should be one of the main things that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And this is something that Joel Jameson is a good friend of mine. He talks a lot about conditioning and he's kind of morphed into the longevity space as well. We talk about this all the time because he and I are on the same boat. It's like, hey, man, like, how long can I do the things that I enjoy doing? Right. I'm 45 now. People joke around and they're like, well, what do you train for? Because. I've been known as a lot of things, right? The mobility guy, like a power lifter, very mediocre at best. But, <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of things. But at the end of the day, it's like right now I train to be able to do what I do right now for as long as possible. I still coach every day. So I like to be able to demonstrate for my athletes. I work with high level basketball players. So never going to be at the level of output that they can. 
but being able to go on the gym floor and feel confident that I can move and do what I want is very important to me. So I think that's fantastic. And I love your guys' mission. Okay. So last but not least, we've got our lightning round. So four fairly short questions, but your guys' answers can be as long or short as you like. Okay. Number one, I'm going to start you with the hardest one first. What was the biggest failure or struggle you guys have had in your business and how did you overcome it? The biggest struggle. Gosh, what is the biggest struggle? I'd say it's still going on. <laughs> what a, is it? For me, it's education. Okay. Yeah, because people, as in like educating trainers and coaches? Yeah, it's because people look at it as just a product. Yeah. I mean, that's our biggest obstacle is pe people go. And we've literally had trainers walk up to us and call us frauds to our faces. Oh, my like, gosh. Oh, it's <laughs> we were at IDA the one year. Oh, yeah. This lady straight up came up to us and she goes, you should be ashamed of yourself. She's like, I can't believe you're here selling a stick. And I was like, well, let me show you some stuff. And she literally just walked away. And I was like, it's more than a product. Right. So it's I think and it's still a struggle It's to get people to understand there's education behind this. It's not just yes. a product. It's, we want to show you how to do it. And so that's why when I inferred a little earlier when people say, well, I can just use what I have at home. Yes, you can. Go ahead. We yeah. don't care. If you buy our sticks, right. great. Fantastic. But if you just have a wooden dowel or a broom handle at home, use that too. We're just going to tell you how to use it so that way you can achieve the same things that we're trying to get after. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. And it's, look, at the end of the day, you're free to do whatever you want, right? <laughs> that's yeah. the beauty of living where we do. We can generally choose and do what we like. But yeah, I think, like you guys said, it's not just the stick, right? It's not just that. It's the education and the understanding. And it's frustrating because I think you guys have mentioned this as well. It's just like there's so many people in our industry that are very part-time about it. And I think that's one of the things that I've tried to cultivate in this show. Hey, look, if you're part-time, but you want to be full-time, great. This is the show for you. If you're a career trainer, coach, this is the show for you. I'm not going to sell you quick fixes and all that. It's like, hey, look, part of what we do is educate for a lifetime. Because you can't just learn some things and get a degree or get a cert and then do those things for the next 30 years. Yep. We're constantly educating and refining and looking at things a little bit different so that we can give our clients and athletes the best chance for success. So, man, I couldn't agree more. Like, I think the education piece of it is so critical. And I'm glad to hear that you guys are on board with that because it's something I'm obviously very passionate about. Okay, number two. I Instagram stalked both of you. So I've got some specific <laughs> questions here. <laughs> Dennis. It says you're a culinary enthusiast. Oh, yes. So I want to know, what's the best thing you can make in the kitchen? Oh, Neil will tell you. Oh, what's my yeah. best thing I make? His mac and cheese is out of this world. Oh. It's like, yes. it's ridiculous, man. I remember the first yeah? time he said, hey, come to the Super Bowl party. I'm going to make my mac and cheese. I'm like, it's mac and cheese. Whatever. Yeah. Go over there. I'm like looking at this thing. And the My paper plate's like just... It's I'm like, oh man, I don't even know if I want to take a bite here. I'm gonna die right. I took a bite <laughs> and I was blown away. I was like, oh my god, yeah, what is in what? here? Life it's like a hundred dollars huh? worth of ingredients in, yeah, my, in this little it's, tin. It's probably the most expensive <laughs> mac and cheese you'll ever have. Uh, yeah, I've had multiple people tell me that I need to sell this. And what's interesting is okay. I grew up in the restaurant industry, so I worked 
Okay. And ultimately, my goal when I was younger was to own my own restaurant. So I've always, I've been cooking for myself since I was 11, 12 years of age. Yeah. So, and I've had the privilege of working with some pretty solid chefs. So you just live and learn. You learn from them. You watch. You, you listen to what they're saying and how they, what the process is. And so I think for being a home chef, and I don't think I don't I do too bad. So I hold my own. But yeah, my mac and cheese is it's pretty good. So it's when, pretty I, I legit. To, All right. When I go to places. They always say, "Oh, the world's best mac and cheese." My wife is always like. I don't Ooh. think they know. And I'm Challenge like, well, no, I'm just all like, <laughs> but I do like to sample some every once in a while just to get, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, no, no. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Well, if I'm ever out there, I'm going to take you up on that. Definitely. Even though you didn't offer, I'm going to no, come no, over just because yeah, I want to try this. Here, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Neil, yeah. talk to me. How's the golf game these days, dude? Are you hitting them straight or what? Oh man, my, I played, let's see here. I'm going to play this weekend and I'll be my third round this year. So I went from playing like 300 rounds a year for a good portion of my life, right, right, to playing about five rounds a year. My daughter's five. My son is three. We've got okay. six oh, yeah, yeah, it's just, just been super busy and leaving for six hours. Actually, it turns into yeah. like eight hours, right? Nine hours. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. not an option all the time. So. No, I can still, it I generally can, doesn't win you any points on the home front. No, yeah. It doesn't win you any points on the home front. Hey, babe, I'm going to be gone for like nine hours. Yeah, every weekend. Yeah. You know, I could still go out there and I could shoot par or I could shoot 85. So Wow. We'll see what happens this I'd, week. I'd take any day where I could shoot par. Okay. <laughs> I, I lied. I got, I got one more. Which one of you is the Marvel fan? Oh, I saw Marvel on one of your both guys' of Instagrams. Us, but that, or is it both guy, of you? This guy's really hardcore with it, yeah. I yeah I, yeah I, just like you I mean I started reading comics at six seven years of age so really yeah yeah I mean I same story like a lot of other people have I had a huge collection of comics and when I went into the military when I came back my mother felt the need to get rid of them all so yeah oh. I have, there were many issues that I was all like. Yeah, I used to have that. And I used, <laughs> oh, it's yeah. like when I'm on auction sites and I'm looking at these comics, I'm like, I own that one. I used to have that one. I used to have that Ooh. one. And now they're in a landfill, probably all destroyed by now, somewhere 30 years oh, later. Oh, my but, gosh. Uh, that's a burn, man. Yeah, I love Marvel. Yeah, I was I love, late. Yeah, I love DC. I remember when Image Comics first came out, when it was Todd McFarlane, and they started coming out, and you start getting all these newer characters and the early 90s i've i had the privilege of meeting stanley a couple times at a couple signings so that was that was fantastic that's awesome uh, one of my prize two of my prized possessions are the first appearance of loki in thor he signed for me okay and then i actually have i collect statues so if you ever yeah okay yeah, so i collect statues i have a doctor doom from sideshow which is a beautiful piece and he actually wow. signed that for me and it was pretty impressive because really he, yeah when i took it to the show this thing weighs like 25 pounds and so right you're yeah, just hauling it all over yeah so i had it and now waiting in line and i had people coming up and asking to take photos of it and so yeah. i remember when i put it in front of stan his eyes were like what is this he was just absolutely blown away by it so it's autographed at the bottom and so i know there's uh, there were 1500 pieces made but i 
pretty sure wow. this is I have the only one that's actually autographed by him. Wow, that's yeah. amazing, man. Well, guys, one more question. What's next for Neil Valera and Dennis Dunphy? What are you guys working on right now? What are you excited about? Anything. So we're going to have a few other products coming out that are complementary to the system. Things that are simple that are people can use at home or take to the gym. Sure. Just using the same movement principles. and So that's what's next there. I yeah, I think there. like Neil said, it's the simplicity and the versatility. I think those are two of the things that we're after when we look at products, right? Yeah. And cost effectiveness, right? So if someone had spent $3,000 on a treadmill, think about what other things they could have bought with that $3,000. They would have been absolutely much more beneficial, right? Yeah. So it's showing people, look, these are the three, take these into consideration, price point, versatility, and simplicity, right? The more complicated yeah. it is, the less you're probably going to use it, right? Yep. So if it's easier, sure. you're probably more apt to get into it. So I think those are the things that we're after. I know we do have some products, like Neil said, that are complimentary, but we're always on the front for looking out for new products that people may have that may, may need a little bit of a partnership to get up off the ground. So I mean, I think that's something we're going to delve into as far as a company. That's awesome. Well, guys, this has been amazing. I've loved learning about both of you, the stick mobility origin story, right? I love that. So thank you guys so much for coming on here today. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great work that you're doing? So you can find us on at stick mobility on Instagram. We're posting daily on there. We have a, a YouTube channel, so you can subscribe to that. It's just Stick Mobility, and gosh, we probably have five or six hundred videos yeah. on there. There's a lot of videos. There's a lot there's of a lot again. Of, there's a lot of videos. <laughs> it, it can be. Or, it's in the process of getting organized yeah, a, lot. a little bit better. So there's yeah, that'll be helpful for people. And then go to our website if you're interested in purchasing sticks or finding more about our. We have a level one and level two certification, along with a like an intro course for just someone that want, doesn't really care about using it to teach, but more so personal use. And then we have an entry-level program for trainers that want to know how to use it, but may not want to get into a whole certification too. Very cool. Very cool. I'll make sure I put all those links in the show notes. Yeah. The YouTube page is robust. I mean, <laughs> robust yeah. between all the videos and all the different like coaching and like stretching like all the different sections you guys had broken down it looked very organized to me so well fellas again thank you so much for coming on the show it was really great having you both on well thank you Mike. Mike. it was a pleasure thank you very much all right my friend that does it for this week's episode with neil valera and dennis dunphy of stick mobility really hope you enjoyed it i think they do such an amazing job of promoting their education system and not just selling a product and I think that's one of the things that really resonated with me is if you want to invest in their product or their training system, great. If not, the principles that they're talking about, whether it's focusing on eccentric training, isometric training, using a radiation or playing around with leverages, these are training principles that are tried and true. And they're things that you can take and apply to your own training right away after you listen to this show. So I really hope you enjoy that aspect of it. If you are perhaps interested in learning more about the system, head over to stickmobility.com forward slash Mike hyphen Robertson. Again, that's stickmobility.com forward slash Mike hyphen Robertson. I'll put it in the show notes. It'll save you 10%. 
It is an affiliate code, so I will get a small percentage of that. But I tell you what, everything that I get from their affiliate program, I'm gonna invest back into the podcast. That's how I roll because whether it's better lighting, better microphones, paying my guy Paul a little bit more money every month, I'm always trying to make this show better. So it's not about a money grab for me, it's about creating great content and it's about helping people like you get more out of your training and your coaching. So really hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, do me one small favor, go and subscribe right now. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, the Amazon Store, YouTube Podcasts, wherever you listen to or watch podcasts these days, go there right now, hit the subscribe button so you know each and every week when a new episode drops. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care.